Amen. Now, I just have to say something. We didn't have to pay for that singing group. I like that kind of music. That's a blessing to me. And it's beautiful. I love that medley. You guys do a phenomenal job of that. Would you all agree? Amen. Praise the Lord. He is Lord because He's risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. He is Lord. And I'm, I'm excited that, you know, in our life, I think oftentimes we miss and don't realize that He is Lord. Miss it in our life. Today I'm talking about don't miss the signs of faith. I was speaking with a lady from our church the other evening. She was standing in our foyer and they used the word yield. And I said to her, I said, I need to preach a message on that. Then this past week, the Lord said, good, put something together for Sunday morning. I said, Sunday morning? I am exhausted by Sunday morning. Y'all wonder why we have a singing group? Because I enjoy that singing group Because I am whipped by Sunday morning. How many of you put a lot of work into birthday parties? It takes sometimes weeks and weeks and weeks of preparation. Well, that's how I feel about this anniversary service. It takes weeks of preparation to put together a celebration. But more than anything, it's not about us today. It's about Him. And I'm so thankful that I get to stand up here today to say that truly He is Lord and He has risen from the dead and not, no grave can hold Him down for He is alive. Now, I could preach a message of the resurrection and we could have revival right now. So maybe I ought to. But I do want to share with you this morning some thoughts in regard to signs. And don't miss those signs of faith in your life. Oftentimes I consider and I realize that, you know, God gives us a sign and and, and I really believe that in our selfishness, we miss it. Putting together this message and and putting some thoughts together, I thought, you know, I can always preach a message and I believe, and you guys can correct me, but this is my first message I've preached on an anniversary Sunday. Probably because there's a lot that you pack in, and I don't want to bore you nor drag the service out. But this morning, maybe I'll just give you a thought and go into next week, but I still have to finish my message on the church. Have you enjoyed those messages on the church? Amen. They've been an encouragement, and I know even myself, just getting into God's Word and understanding the value of the church has really taught me a lot as a pastor. And, but this morning, I want you to consider... Don't missing signs. How many of you ran through a stop sign? Are you kidding me? We are in the house of God, and you guys were not honest. Four people raised their hands. Is anybody looking? We've all done it. Matter of fact, I about had a heart attack. Last month, I was driving, and I blew right through that stop sign. I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't see it. And I know what your thought was, you were texting. No, I wasn't. Not that time. Not that time. But I didn't. I want you to know that as I went through there, I almost like panicked. You know, it's that afterthought. As you're going through that stop sign, it wasn't because I saw lights behind me. But because you go through that stop sign, you realize 
I just flew through a stop sign. And then all of a sudden you start shaking. Your knees get weak. And I know for myself, I felt like I wanted to just pull over on the side of the road. Because I was just like, I don't know, the adrenaline or something just hit me. I thought, what about if somebody would have come through it? But thank you, God, that you're always there for me. Your hedge of protection is about me. Your provision is with me. I'm thankful for that. And that's when I have to stop and realize I'm thankful that I'm his child. So we know that there's a stop sign, a U-turn sign, a yield sign, and a one-way sign. And as we embark upon this seven-year anniversary, and as it's the new beginning of a new year, I want this church to embrace the church. Because God created the church, His body, for His work. The number of seven, the number of perfection, How many of you would say, I would like to see God do great and wonderful, marvelous, miraculous things here at New Hope, year number seven? Here, let me hear you say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know myself, I want to see great things take place at New Hope Christian Fellowship. I can't do it alone. I need you. This year, and I know some of you know this and you know the story that hopefully by spring, we'll be breaking ground. And when I say hopefully, I'm going by faith, we will have a broke. And I keep speaking it because I believe it, and I know God's going to do it. But I know that Winkleman and Design Architectural is now working to get that done. And how many, wouldn't it be wonderful, as we are having our service in the sanctuary, in our new Auditorium and Rec Center, Nepali Fellowship is over there. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Instead of you coming at 3 o'clock, we could all worship together. I've got to tell you, I love Pastor Dahl, I love Benod, I love Ganesh, I love my brothers in the Lord. And I'd sometimes miss them. I have to pop in here on a Sunday afternoon just so that I get a chance to see them with their family. Don't miss the signs of faith. Listen closely. A truck driver was taking his load to a new destination. As he drove, he was intently watching the signs leading to his exit. In his effort to find the right exit, he missed the signs warning him of low overpass ahead. To his astonishment, his truck became struck under the overpass. He could not go forward and he could not back up. Traffic began to back up and tempers began to flare. Police were called, wreckers were summoned, and an effort began to free the stuck truck. They tried tow trucks, wenches. Grease, pulleys, and wedges, and anything else anyone suggested. Nothing worked. The hours passed, and the truck remained just as stuck as ever. They tried tow trucks, and I read that. But by this time, a considerable crowd had gathered to watch the workers in their attempts to free this truck. And that crowd was a little boy who was riding his bicycle by the overpass. He had stopped to watch the show, and after a few minutes, he called out to one of the policemen below. Hey, officer, he said, I know how to get that truck out from underneath that bridge. The policeman looked up, and he ignored the little boy for some time. And the officer finally said to him, with a hint of irritation, Okay, young man, tell me how. Without a pause, the little boy said, Let some of the air out of the tires. 
That's what they did, did, and the truck was actually able to be free. I don't know if the tale is actually true or not. Either way, the story does teach a couple of important truths. First, it's easy to overlook the obvious, even when it is staring you right in the face. Second, wise people learn to pay attention to all the signs. Signs are important in this physical world. And I have to say that I know that I have missed a few times and a few signs here and there. Signs help you to know where you are and what you're supposed to be doing. Signs serve a valuable purpose in our lives. Just as there are signs in the physical realm, there are also signs in the spiritual arena. Those signs are even more important than the signs in the physical world. You can miss a sign or two here and there. And things probably turn out fine. But if you miss too many spiritual signs, you might end up in hell. At the very least, you will end up deep in trouble with the Lord. Well, that was pretty bold, Pastor. Well, the sign's before you. And I want to just speak for the next few minutes about don't miss the signs of faith. Father, bless this message. Bless your word. Father, I pray that I'll stand in the shadows of your holy word. And I just pray, Lord, that your word will go forth, that it won't come back void, that it will prosper. And on this seventh anniversary, may we remember and realize just how good you are. Thank you, Father, for your word. And Father, I pray that you'll bless our hearts with your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn, if you would, please, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8, verses 10 through 13. Mark 8, verses 10 through 13. The first sign I think we can think about is actually U-turn. How many of you have ever felt that you've been going in the wrong direction? I know I've been there, and oftentimes we see the signs and it says, Go the other way. Do a U-turn. Well, church, I don't want to do a U-turn. I was sharing with a couple this morning that as I look back over seven years, I'm grateful and thankful that where the Lord's allowed me to mature in Him. I was a youth pastor. I did all those fun, frilly, exciting little messages that would stir excitement up within youth and the congregation. But coming to be a senior pastor, the Lord's really convicted me and I've, I've learned some valuable lessons about how I need to change the direction in my own life. But you know what? To make a U-turn, I don't know that I do that because I anticipate what God's about to do in the life of this church. So I don't want to do a U-turn and I don't want to turn around. I want to keep going on that one-way street that leads to eternity. So therefore, I don't have to, to yield and I don't have to, to, to stop what I'm doing, but yet I can keep doing what God wants me to do. I hope as we read this, you'll be able to get this. Listen closely as we read. I know that I, I wanted to read verses 10 through 13, but you know what I think I'm going to do? Because I'm going to be referencing Jesus feeds 4,000. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and said unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. 
And that word actually being interpreted means that they've come from far. They were hungry for a group of people came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have, have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. They had a few small fishes, and he blessed them and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand, and he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. What's amazing is, do you know this is the only reference in the New Testament about where they were at. I'm not sure where that's at, but they referenced it. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven. They were actually, when the word in the King James says tempting, it actually means tested him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why did this generation seek after a sign? Verily I send you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them and entered to the ship again and departed to the other side. This passage tells us about a group of people who missed all the signs and got themselves into big trouble with the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we watched, we saw what happened when they missed the spiritual signs. And this morning, I don't want you to miss the spiritual signs that are before you and that the Lord has prepared before you. And I want you to see the truth in this passage as I preach on the, through, and though don't miss the signs. This is a warning that many should take to heart. The stop sign. Jesus had just finished one of the greatest miracles of his ministry. He took seven small loaves of bread and a few small fish and he fed 4,000 people. When the meal was over, the disciples collected seven baskets filled with the leftovers from the meal. According to verse 10, Jesus and his men immediately leave by ship and go to another part of Israel. As you saw and noticed there. As soon as they arrive there, they are met with the Pharisees. And you might remember that the Pharisees were the religious conservatives of their day. I call them the scorekeepers, like some churches. We have Pharisees within the church and Sadducees because they're sad, you see, in the church. And I want you to know, I hate scorekeepers. You know what a scorekeeper is? Did he have an introduction? Did he give enough scripture? Did he do this? Did he do that? Was the temperature at the right level? That's what a Pharisee was. See, what they were trying to do is they were trying to disregard and disrespect Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So if they could scorekeep and could say, look at him here, look at him. I mean, can you imagine what he's doing? What takes place? Well, then his credibility is gone. And so here Jesus Christ is always doing a work and there's miracles. kind of reminds me of the church. We see God do works, but we look at Him and go, uh, I just don't like it there. It's just not for me. I, I would much rather do this and, and do that, and I'd much rather go to a church that has this. 
well, I'd much rather go to a church that has the Bible and who cares if we don't have electric. I've come to the conclusion, when I first started the church, remember when our electric used to go out? I would be mortified. So the electric goes out today. I can scream with the best of them. I'm serious. I've come to the place where it doesn't matter anymore. What matters more importantly is that God's Word is open and preached. We've lost a church. Put on the stop sign. Stop what you're doing. Don't lose focus like the Pharisees did. They need to stop. We've got to realize that God is always there to do a work. See, when Jesus arrived at the neck of the woods, they came out to meet Him. The Bible says in verse 11 that they began to question Him. The word question there actually means to dispute or argue. And the word is in a tense that suggests they wouldn't shut up. They kept on trying to drag Jesus into a theological argument. We are told what they were trying to do is, is to get Jesus and to discourage Him and to tempt Him. They wanted to show Him a sign from heaven. The Bible says that they were tempting him. That is, they were putting him to the test. They were trying to get Jesus to prove his authority and the source of his power. After all, if Jesus is of God, then surely he could do some wonder in the sky above to prove it. Other men of God had done similar things in Israel's past. Signs. What are the signs? Well, show me proof. Show me proof that God is real. That's what everybody always says. Is God real in that church? Is God real in your life? I don't know. Is He real? Are you showing signs of God the Father through your life? Is Jesus Christ alive and real? Or to you, is He still in the grave? I don't want a church where, where He's still in the grave. I want a church that's alive and well. Listen to this closely. Here's some things from the Bible. Joshua had commanded his son to be still and it had obeyed. Well, there's a sign for you. Samuel prayed during a battle and the Lord answered with strong and loud thunder which confounded and discombobulated their enemies. Elijah prayed and it did not rain for three and one half years. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. He prayed again and it rained. Chapter 18 of 1 Kings. Elijah also called down fire from the heavens which consumed a sacrifice and the altar it laid upon. Could you imagine praying? Lord, I pray for fire. Bam! It's there. Scared me. Scared you too, didn't it? I won't lose you. I promise. Even if I have to shout glory a few times. Is the air conditioner on in this church? I think one of our units would now. Are you guys comfortable in here? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. I think it's the pastor because I have like seven layers of clothes on or something. But can you just imagine what God does? People see His work and we realize it and it startles us. And for just a moment, just, just a moment, we get excited. Then all of a sudden, discouragement sets in and things don't go our way. And all of a sudden, we jump on our bicycle and we leave because we're mad. That's a pharisaical attitude. God's always at work and He wants to do a work in you today. 
Just stop what you're doing. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. We understand that was for the nation of Israel. But, but I want to say that I believe that it's still relevant for us. If we'll just stop what, we'll do, what we're doing and realize that God's doing a work. You have to ask yourself, am I doing all I can in my relationship with Him? What these men were really trying to do was to get Jesus to promise more than He could deliver. They knew about the things He had done with people, demons and food. They were trying to get Him to attempt a miracle and fail so that they could denounce Him as a false prophet. They were also saying that all things Jesus had already done in the power of God were insufficient to prove that He was the Messiah. They knew the things that He had done, but they wanted more. Consider all of the miracles the Jews had already witnessed. Jesus had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. He had delivered people from the bondage of demon possession. Jesus had walked on water and calmed the storms. Jesus twice multiplied the amount of food and fed vast multitudes with it. Jesus had opened up the Word of God. And He preached it clearly and made the meaning of the Scriptures plain to all who heard it. You see, the people were all talking about Him and here's what they said. We never saw it on this fashion. But he's done all things well. It's both found in Mark chapter 2 and chapter 7. You see, the Pharisees had heard enough gospel to save the world. They had seen enough proof to convince the most stubborn of skeptics. Their problem was simply that they did not want to believe on Jesus. They did not want to believe on their Messiah. They refused to bow to him as their Lord and as their Savior. We still have Pharisees with us today. We still have the people who demand to see something sensational before they will commit to following Jesus Christ. People thrive on the sensational. People watch TV evangelists because they thrive on sensationalism. It isn't the hair or the suit. People flock because they like the sensation of stuff, the excitement, the energy of something. Jesus Christ wants to do a work. Far too many people are waiting on something supernatural, event to prove their existence of God. The fact is God has already proven that He exists. While the world is looking for a sign, God tells us that He is visible in the ordinary things of this world, the things we take for granted every day, and the very things that prove God is real, and that is God. And I could go with you this morning and tell you about all the dimensions. I had all the dimensions and everything of how vast the heavens and the earth are. And it starts in Psalms chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. And I'm not going to do that this morning because of time. But to think just how vast and what God did is He placed every little thing in a perfect place. Wow. It's amazing to me to consider just how vast our universe is, but how small we are. Jesus said, consider the marvel of the human body. We've been fearfully and wonderfully made. God is real, and He's given us signs all over the universe to realize that He's real. 
would you stop doubting him? Stop saying that he's not real. God exists. And he is here to allow you to realize that he wants you to become real in his life. A solemn declaration. Number two, yield. We must yield our spirit. We must surrender. When Jesus hears their demand, he is grieved in his soul. He has a sigh of frustration, perhaps even anger. His question, why does this generation seek after a sign? Verse 12. It was a question that was born out of amazement. After all, that generation had the greatest sign of all in their midst. They had the Messiah, God in the flesh, walking among them. And they could not even recognize His holiness. They were looking for a heavenly sign and heaven had taken up residence among them and they missed it. Jesus said unto them, But listen, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. But when men looked at Jesus, they didn't see the Father. They wanted to see the devil. They wanted to see something that wasn't of God. That generation had all the signs and they could not see the truth that was standing right in front of their eyes. When a sign is given, another sign is desired. I want you this morning just to stop for a minute and pretend as if you're going through this, this journey of life and you're stopping what you're doing. Now you're yielding. You're going to say, okay, God, I'm going to stop what I'm doing because I realize who you are and I have forgotten who you are in my own walk. And, and I want to say this, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say this for some of you that are in this room. We are on year number seven. God has performed miracles. God has brought you here today for a divine appointment. You are here because he wanted you here. Healing can take place in your life if you'll just believe. But I have this pin right here, and I don't know why I put it on this morning. But I do know this, the, the signs of faith that are in my life, if we have the faith as a grain, as the little seed, this is a mustard seed that's inside this little piece of glass. It says that I can move mountains. Church, God wants you to yield. God wants you to stop what you're doing. We realize who He is and His holiness. We need to realize that when we yield to the flesh... We then yield to the temptation of the enemy. We just relinquish all control over to him. And this morning, I want our church to come to a place where we yield our all to him. Not just a quarter, but our all. Pastor, you understand I can't make it Sunday because don't talk to me about not being here. I'm not, I'm not keeping score. I'm not a Pharisee. You come if you can make it. Because God already knows where you're at and what you're doing. Uh-oh, here he goes. I'm just saying, are you yielding? Have you given 100% to the Lord? See, I don't want a church that's with thrills and frills. I want a church that people love God. This week I had a meeting downstairs and a lady said to me that was here, she said, you know, can I just say something about New Hope? And I said, well, what is that? Her name was Tracy and Denise. And I said, well, what is that? And, and she said, this church has just a family-friendly feeling. 
That's what I wanted to shout. I didn't. I was kind of reserved. Although one of them said to our treasurer, man, your pastor sure is hyper. Oh, energetic. I'm energetic, all right. We have such little time to yield our lives to Jesus Christ. And church, I stand before you today and I ask you an important question. Are you yielding? Do you want God to do something within you? Run to the altar. Ask God to start healing today to perform a miracle in your life. That's what God wants to do. He wants to change your direction. So we stop, we yield, and then we find the one-way sign. And I'm skipping over stuff because I, I know how difficult it is. And, and I want to thank so many that have come and worked this weekend and made our church what it is today. Comfortable and clean. This is the house of God. Thank you for preparing for a great party. The word of verse 13 says this. And I think it's one of the saddest in all the gospel recordings. And it says, and he left them. There was nothing more to say and nothing more that could be done. They refused to believe and he abandoned them and their choice. The gospel was preached. They saw miracles. They saw the fish. They saw the loaves. They saw everything that took place and they still didn't believe. And he said, enough of this. This is ridiculous. I'm getting out of here. Because you don't believe. There's nothing more to say and nothing more that could be done. They refused to believe and so he abandoned them and their choice. Those men experienced the wrath of God's abandonment. He turned them over to their own ways and left them in their darkness. What a horrible thought. But that is just what the Lord does. He will not deal with you forever. There will come a point when He will walk away from you never to return. He will abandon you to the eternity you have chosen. Jesus said, I'm what? I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. No man can come into the Father but by me. That is the message of this church. And that's why I have it over here on these banners. He is the way. He's the truth. And He is the life. And we must believe that He's come today to save you and me. Proverbs 27.1 and 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Today is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Friend, nobody goes to hell because somebody sends them there. People go to hell because they refuse to turn from their sins and believe on Jesus Christ. People go to hell because they love darkness rather than light. People go to hell because God is a God of love who does not force Himself on anyone against their will. People go to hell because God allows them to have their own way. Is that what you want? Or do you want the one way? I'm not trying to scare anybody today. I can't scare you into salvation. You can only be saved and you will only be saved when the Spirit of God is drawing you to Jesus Christ. If I could scare you to Jesus, I would not hesitate to do just that. Because I love you. I cannot scare you into it. But I can tell you this. If you don't come to Jesus Christ and believe on Him for salvation in this life, you will spend eternity in hell apart from God. For all eternity. So please do not send away your day of grace. Come to Jesus while there is time. Come to Jesus and be saved.
and come to Jesus today. Today is an anniversary service. And as I conclude, and I hope and pray that as I've paraphrased the seven-page message, I could have kept here to one o'clock. But we're all eating here, right? But the reality of this is we've got to stop, turn from our wicked ways. We've got to yield and seek my face. And then I will hear from heaven. Go that one way. And then I will heal your land. God wants you to come to a deep, deep relationship with Him. If you have been coming to these church services and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm always up here. You run up to me and you say to me, Today, I want to know Christ as my Savior. Maybe you said, Well, I prayed it when I was little, but I never really knew it. I had... Uh, you know, head knowledge, but not really heart knowledge. But I believe God's calling me today because today is the day of salvation. There's no other better message or song to sing than the salvation message of Jesus Christ. Are you still looking for a sign? Let me show you as we conclude. Here's one, John 3, 16 through 18 says what? So for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only, not the only Son of God. Listen to me. The only, I love this, and I hear the choir sing, the only begotten Son of God. Here's another, John 6, 35-37. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also see me and believe not. All the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. Jesus does not want to cast you out. He said, if you'll just come, He will accept you where you're at. He's here with open arms. He's already died on a cruel cross to accept you right where you're at. Because Jesus Christ is the way. He's the truth and He's the life. And He loves you so much that His Son came and He died for you. Verily, verily, I send unto, he, unto thee, he that believeth on me shall have everlasting life. And as I conclude, there are many more signs if you're interested, and every single one of them is found right here in God's Word. Heed the sign, and heaven will be your home. Ignore the signs, and you are headed to a tragic ending. Hell is a real place, prepared for the devil and his demons. That's not Todd, that's God's Word. Is the Lord speaking to you about your soul? Is He speaking to you today about your salvation? Heed His voice and come to Him right now. Surrender your all to Him. Imagine a driver traveling down a highway passing sign after sign, telling him that the bridge over the river ahead was out. Imagine that same driver plunging into his death and in the river because he ignored all the signs. You would say, no one would do something so foolish. Oh no. Isn't that just what you are doing? You are speeding down the road of life towards your death and the bridge is out. 
yet you ignore sign after sign telling you to stop and change your road. Change your direction. Don't plunge into hell. Come to Jesus and be saved. Come today. Come now. I don't know. I can't remember what we chose for a song, but I feel the Lord leading me to to sing this song. It says at the foot of the cross. But you know what? I want to do Come Just As You Are. That's our song. I love that song. And as Luke prepares to pull that up, I'm just going to give you this final thought and then we're going to go eat. Church, I love you. And I love the seven years that God has allowed all of us to worship Him. And isn't it wonderful to bask in His glory? Isn't it wonderful as we close our eyes and realize the holiness of God, that He uses His angels to minister around us and among us, but to be in His sanctuary and to be in His presence, to realize that here today in North Hill, Ohio, we can bask in the glory of God. Stop. Church, yield. You don't have to worry about that U-turn sign. But seek out the one-way sign. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Today, stop what you're doing. Let God become real where you're at. Would you receive that today? Amen. Let's all stand as we go to the Lord in invitation. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this seven-year anniversary. Lord, I just pray that we'll be able to take your word and make it real. Father, may we continue to stay on the one-way street. And Father, as we continue to embark upon another glorious year, Father, may we continue to do your work and realize that souls need to be saved and lives need to be changed. And Father, I know that you sent your Son. And as Jesus Christ was here, even the Pharisees kept questioning him. But Father, may we not question your intent. Father, may we surrender to do your will. Father, today, may we come just as we are. May we hear the Spirit's call. Oh, Father, we have forgotten who we are. Lord, we've walked away from our fellowship with you. And this year, as you perfect this church, Lord, I know we've been through the refiner's fire, and I know it's been difficult. But in our own personal life, Lord, may we heed your call. May we yield. May we stop what we're doing. God, your word is true and it's real. May we not miss out on the signs that you are the way, the truth, and the life. May we come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, thank you for today. And thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. And Father, thank you for seven years as we've labored in love for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.